The Secrets of Star Trek is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Star Trek, where we discuss the hidden layers and deeper meanings found in all the Star Trek TV series, movies, and more. And today we're discussing the Lower Decks episode, Reflections. I'm Don Bettinelli, and joining me today on the panel are Father Corey Stika. Hey, Father Corey. How's it going? And Jimmy Akin. Hey, Jimmy. Howdy, Dom. Folks, be sure to follow The Secrets of Star Trek in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, your favorite podcast app. And now you can watch us as a video on YouTube at the StarQuest YouTube channel. At, and uh, we're not a we're not a static image. It's <laughs> us moving and everything. It's, you can yeah, see you us can see us waving at you. One of, one of them moving pictures. Yeah, those fancy <laughs> moving pictures. Uh, not hologram yet. That's uh, still a holodeck version of us is in the future. Uh, and be sure to hit the bell uh, to get notifications of every new episode on YouTube. Uh, I want to tell you about another show on the network you are sure to enjoy called The Secrets of Movies and TV Shows. So you can find that wherever fine podcasts are found or at sqpn.com slash secrets. I want you to stick around to the end of this episode. We have more of your awesome listener feedback. And I want to begin with a little bit of sad news, which is that Louis, the actress Louise Fletcher, who you may recall played Kai Wynn on Deep Space Nine, she passed away last week at the age of 88. And so we wanted to mention that and uh, talk about a... <laughs> A, a character we all love to hate, and she did such a good job with it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so. she, she was great, and, and I like her redemptive arc in mm-hmm. the final season of Deep Space Nine. I mean, even before then, there are places where even though she's an abrasive character, she genuinely cares about Bajor. Yeah. And, and she, at various points, like, even though it grates on her, she seeks Cisco's counsel. Mm-hmm. And as the emissary and then in season seven they have the plot now of course she she goes bad and then comes back and redeems herself at the fire caves um right. in the last episode but at towards the beginning of that going bad process gul dukat has turned himself into a bajoran or appears bajoran and he's trying to seduce her and when she realizes that he is uh, a worshiper of the Pa Wraiths. He's like trying to seduce her to the dark side and wants her to to serve the Pa Wraiths. And she yells, heretic, and slaps him. <laughs> and And the audience is like right there with her. That heretic needs to be slapped. Yeah. <laughs> and it was it was one of the it was one of the, you know, most um, authentic treatments of religious feeling in mm-hmm. the history of the show. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah, she's a great, great actress. So, I mean, she really was a uh, well-known, uh, most well-known as Nurse, Rat- Nurse Ratched in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, the yes. Jack Nicholson movie. Yep. But of course, you know, us in Star Trek, we know her from DS9. Yeah. And just, yeah, she she played that role so well. And just her dripping, oh, yes, child. <laughs> oh, man, that was so great. <laughs> oh, she was so good at that, that contemptuous thing. I mean, it's, it's hard. It's got to be hard to play a character that all the fans dislike, you know, because, you know, it's not you. And so you've got to kind of hope that people rise above the, you know, I'm just acting. I'm not really that person. Uh, so uh, God bless her. May she rest in peace. And it's even though you would not think that this happens, 
there are people who don't understand that acting is acting. Uh, Suzanne mm-hmm. Lucci, who played Erica Kane on All My Children, yes, who was uh, kind of you know she's she's a she's a bad girl in the sense that she, you know, she's living this lavish lifestyle and is very selfish and stuff, and and she's not whole, she's not unsympathetic. She's sort of the sympathetic bad girl. Mm-hmm. Um, there were people who were convinced that that Suzanne Lucci was really Erica Kane. <laughs> right. Oh, yes. Yeah. Soap operas, especially since they are like on people's TVs every day in their living room sort of thing. Yeah, I can imagine that being hard to for some people to separate the actor and the mm-hmm. role. Well, they're, they're- there are so many of those characters, those actors who they play one character very well and they just they fit in that role. And that's not who the, the actor themselves is. They just can play that role so well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah. Uh, and like I said, God bless her. May she rest in peace. Yes. So let's talk about this episode of Lower Decks called Reflections. This is a uh, one that focuses on Rutherford uh, a lot. And Jimmy, can you mm-hmm. give us a recap of what happens? This week in our B-plot, Mariner and Boimler are assigned to man a Starfleet recruiting booth at a job fair. Mariner thinks this is a lame assignment, but First Officer Ransom orders them to collect a bunch of names and not set foot out of the booth or there will be dire consequences. During the job fair, the people from other booths mercilessly mock the Starfleeters, especially a representative of the Independent Archaeologists Guild named Petra. Boimler helps Mariner keep her cool amidst all the mocking, but eventually the mocking becomes so severe that Boimler freaks out and goes on a rampage. His his courage inspires the passers-by, and they approach Mariner for information about joining Starfleet. Ransom shows up, and since Boimler has violated orders by leaving the booth, he will have to spend the night in the brig, but nothing more serious than that. Meanwhile, back in our A-plot, Rutherford has been having a nightmare about something overheating, and Tindy thinks it may be because of unimportant data in his implant's memory buffer. She flushes the buffer to let him get some sleep, but this has unexpected side effects. When he wakes up, he has no idea how he got on the Cerritos and is acting like a real jerk. Meanwhile, friendly Rutherford must helplessly watch his new jerk self from reflections on windows and screens. So friendly Rutherford is only seen in like the reflection on a window Mm -hmm. and he's watching in horror at what his jerk self is doing. He thinks that new jerk self is an alien that has taken over his body, but it's really his former forgotten personality from 10 years ago. His brain can't handle both personalities being active, and he goes into a coma. The two Rutherfords must fight for dominance to emerge from the coma, and whoever loses will be permanently erased. In their mental environment, they can imagine anything they want, and they have an engineer off to build racing ships to do a mental version of an illegal race through the neutral zone. As they're doing this, a Romulan warbird attacks, and it turns out that friendly Rutherford also imagined his friends, Tendi, Mariner, and Boimler, to experience the flight with him. Working with his friends, they're able to escape the warbird and beam Jerk Rutherford back to safety on their ship. Jerk Rutherford was badly injured by the warbird, and he acknowledges that friendly Rutherford has grown in the last 10 years. Um, that he gave up the rage that used to consume him, and he's actually made friends. This lets Jerk Rutherford fade out of existence in peace, and he thanks friendly Rutherford for letting him have one last race. Uh, 
Before he fades out, though, the two of them suddenly experience a buried memory. It turns out that 10 years ago, Rutherford was covertly building a racer for a high-ranking Starfleet officer when it overheated and exploded. That was the nightmare that Rutherford was having at the beginning. And in the wake of his injuries from the explosion, Rutherford's implant was attached to him. But the sinister officer said to wipe all Rutherford's extensive memories of him and the program he was working on and to make him think that he got the implant voluntarily. Afterwards, the gang is reunited. With Boimler in the brig for the night, Mariner does the mission report, and as she's doing it, she gets a call from Petra, the independent archaeologist, who admits that she only mocked them to create a distraction so that she could get into a museum and steal back the Grand Negus's stolen staff so that she could turn it in for a reward. She also recognized Mariner's quality and offers her a job if she ever wants to leave Starfleet. Mariner ends the call but saves Petra's contact information for the future. Mm. The end. Mm. <laughs> or is it? <laughs> so let's let's talk about the B-plot involving Mariner and Boimler first, and then we'll come back to Rutherford. Uh, I, I, so I like this. So they're orbiting this planet, and they get a which, song. Which they've actually been to multiple times in the series. It's called T- Tolgana 4. Right. Mm-hmm. And they get assigned to man this, you know, Starfleet recruiting booth because apparently this is a thing that happens when Starfleet ships visit Federation worlds. They're supposed to do, you know, some uh, uh, recruiting. And, of course, Mariner hates the idea of it. And, she, you know, she uh, starts to refuse until uh, Ransom threatens her, says, if you don't do this, I'm going to transfer you to Starbase 80. (laughs) And they're all like, no, it's the worst. And you're like, what is so bad about Starbase 80 that everyone is like horrified by it? I just thought that was it's it's funny. Yeah, I like how as soon as Ransom says that, uh, Boimler just cringes visibly (laughs) and Mariner starts objecting. And then later at the end, even though he threatened them with Starbase 80, um, and Starbase 80 has been also mentioned in previous episodes as a really bad yep. place to work. Yeah. Um, but uh, Ransom, Boimler, and Kayshawn are walking down the hallway, and and Boimler is like, weren't you going to send me to Starbase 80? You know, because he's only going to have to spend the night in the brig. Mm-hmm. And Ransom says, oh, no, that place is a hellhole. <laughs> and... and, and <laughs> Kayshawn says Coltar when he drowned in a swamp. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it's obviously really bad. I wonder if someday we'll hope, see it. That's what I was going to say. I hope someday they show it and it actually turns out to not be that bad, but it's just like, you know, like the Cerritos where it has a reputation. Uh, I guess you know, it, they thought, oh, yeah. it's a bad reputation, you know. I guess it's like in the Air Force getting threatened to be sent to like, was it Elmendorf Air Force Base in Alaska? As, or my not Thule in Iceland. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. Actually, Thule would be kind of cool, but uh, <laughs> yeah. no, literally. But yeah, uh, no, my not, my not's the one where it's like, why not, my not freezes the reason. <laughs> my not's in North Dakota. Yeah, that's the yes. middle of nowhere. I know it's up it, in my area. I know uh, an Air Force chaplain there that, <laughs> from Boston who, uh, yeah, he he says it's um, spare is the word he uses <laughs> to describe yeah. it. So uh, apparently Starbase 80 is sort of like that. 
So uh, I, I like one of the items they're bringing down for the Starfleet recruitment booth is mm-hmm. a Kirk Spock face cutout photo board. <laughs> yes. <So Yes>. <laughs> you can stand behind it and have your pictures taken as Kirk and Spock. Right. <laughs> so, because it assumes like, again, the 2D nature of it, like we're in the future mm-hmm. holograms. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's just it's that kind of uh, funny uh, anachronism that they include. Uh, and then you mentioned their, their, their booth is next to, it's almost like a farmer's market sort of thing or a flea market. Mm-hmm. Uh, and their booth is next to the independent space archaeologist guild. And you have this, um, she's kind of a, a trope of the space archaeologist. Like what's the her name? Sass, sassy space archaeologist. Right. Like Vosh. Vosh. That's what they, yeah. Something yeah. like Laura Croft or something like that, you know, yeah. from the Tomb Raider type games, you know. Right. And her name, of course, is Petra Aberdeen, which is, of course, a space archaeologist, you know, <laughs> uh, name, yeah. you know, that sort of thing. Um, and she's so like she mocks them. She mocks Starfleet. Um, she, I was in Starfleet, she says, and I left for a life of freedom and nonviolence. And they're like. Boimler's like Starfleet's about nonviolence, and she points out how Starfleet claims to be about peace and nonviolence, but there's always they always seem to be getting in fights with everyone, and it's kind of true. And, and she <laughs> yeah. says, "Oh right, you guys totally aren't a pseudo navy at all. <laughs> yeah, you're totally not military. Yeah, yeah. I love so, and I kind of love that because yeah, I mean it's true. Like they're they're always talking about how we're not a military force. We just have ranks and we have ships armed to the gills and with shields and phasers and photon torpedoes and we're always getting in battles and we have wars and but we're totally nonviolent. <laughs> yeah, we're." It's, yeah, uh, that's and funny. later later she's she's noting all the different uniforms. I like I like how they're hanging a lantern on tropes of the show. Yes, mm-hmm. because they're clearly a space navy, but Gene Roddenberry wanted to pretend they were about exploration, right? Um, yeah. and and later, um, they're talking about uniforms and they're noting all the numerous different uniforms that are just constantly changing on the show. Yeah, and and Boimler's justifying it. It's like, well, our our uniforms are always updating and Petra's like yeah because you're not a military <laughs> and then they have uh, it's not just her the the conspiracy truthers who have a booth there as well they show up demanding the truth about what happened to Cisco what really happened to Cisco and then mm-hmm. what about the parasites who took over Starfleet admirals by crawling up their butts <laughs> I, I, which is not as it was crawling down their throats. Is right, that's how it really happened. But, but yeah. the conspiracy theor- theorists think they think that it happened another way. And they refer to them as butt bugs. <laughs> butt bugs. <laughs> and, 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 and one of the, one of our two characters, I, f- I forget, I think it was Boimler is like, that never happened. And <laughs> Mariner is kind of like, actually, I think it did. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Boimler's like, that never happened. Absolutely that's, never happened. Yeah. That's the first season. There's a couple of episodes in the first season of next generation. One of them is called conspiracy where, mm-hmm. where this plot is revealed. Right. And they end up we end up getting this really graphic, the most graphic thing ever on Next Generation, where they kind of explode this uh, admiral and we see like his little body, you know, it blown up in half on screen. It was very graphic. Um, And then it's this sort of thing like they kind of leave it as this cliffhanger of, oh, these aliens are out there. They're kind of trying to take over and we never hear from them ever again. Like it's just. Yeah, they were originally going to be a lead into the Borg. Uh, and and then they got to the Borg another way and kind of dropped these creatures. Right, right. Um, 
and so I mean the, the Starfleeters are being mercifully mocked by everyone um, and but it's when the outpost scientists who show up again after that couple episodes ago uh, comes up and takes his rank pip Boimler's rank pip his ensign rank mm-hmm. pip and throws it away and that's like that's the and most important thing to Boimler someone steps on it yes. yeah yeah and Boimler loses his mind, starts destroying everything. And like you people wouldn't exist without Starfleet. We don't want to fight the Borg and the Romulans. We want to explore and study quasars, but it's the right thing to do. And he goes on yeah. and on. Uh, stop, uh, and then stop getting, getting people trapped in your games. And, you yeah, know. Right. There was the, uh, the gamesters from uh, DS nine uh, mm-hmm. from that terrible episode. Uh, and then so on and so forth. Yeah, it was. And they also had the gamesters had the, uh, the one from TNG with with the eyes, like the the, the addictive game, the the Pokemon Go, yeah. <laughs> of, oh. of that one where it's shooting into the eyes. They uh, also yeah. have the Collectors Guild, and like when what's his name wanted to collect data and add him to his collection. Yep. Yeah, and he had these friends who had really weird makeup, including a sideways nose ring. Right. Mm. Um. And so one of the Collectors Guild has a sideways nose ring in this. Yeah. Um. I like in Boimler's when Boimler freaks out, he's like, without Starfleet, none of you would exist. We don't want to protect you from the Klingons and the Borg. We just want to explore and study bleeping quasars. But you know what? It's the right thing to do. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, so in, in, in the, like you said, in the midst of this distraction, that's when Aberdeen, who was obviously it turns out goading them into having mm-hmm. this display because she wanted them to cause a distraction. She used the she uses that to go into the museum that they're sitting in front of to steal back the Grand Negus's walking stick that they uh, they had mm-hmm. they had acquired uh, improperly apparently um, and so yeah and so this would be Roms now mm-hmm. yes exactly yes yeah. it would be uh, it would be fun to have Rom show up <laughs> Rom would be a fun addition to Lower Decks he's that he's mm-hmm. the right kind of character Rom and Quark would be fun to have yep. I would I'd love to see that. Um, and uh, Boimler, like you mentioned, ends up in the break. But uh, it, Ransom does tell Boimler, like, he's, I'm proud of you for standing up for Starfleet, even though I have to put you in the break for violating regulations. I'm so proud of you. Which So we keep getting these nice moments where the lower deckers are kind of succeeding in a way. You know, this mm-hmm. season, we're seeing yep. them succeed more than we have in the past and advance. So that's kind of nice to, to have that for Boimler. And, and Boimler's not kind of the guy who's just in the background getting kicked to the curb, you know, and forgotten about, but he's actually getting recognition, you know, right. we'll have a drink when you get out of the, the brig. Yes, yes, exactly. So let's go back to our A plot and talk about Rutherford. So he has this nightmare. Um, and it's funny when he wakes up from his nightmare, he's in the, the you know, their their barracks area, their their bunk area. And did you notice it's the same big dude walking around in a towel from the last episode? Like yeah. who gets surprised by him and squeaks, you know, a high pitched squeak. He has this incredibly girlish. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I wonder if we're going to keep seeing this guy walking around in this towel. It's going to be like the, the towel guy. <laughs> Recur- recurring theme. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you mentioned Tendy purges Rutherford's memory cache to let him sleep. And this has come up before, by the way, about the, the implant and that there's something um, something sinister, something unknown that Rutherford isn't even aware of having mm-hmm. to do with his implant and his memory being altered. So yeah. this is the most we got of this uh, in this episode, though. Mm-hmm. It is. And it also so this episode has a couple of 
things that will obviously play into the season arc because we're not quite but almost at the halfway point in the season now and um one of them is mariner will at some point follow up with petra about the junior archaeologist league yep because we've got the tension with her and rutherford i'm sorry with her and ransom uh, about Mm -hmm. will she stay in starfleet or not and so at some point that will reach a boiling point and she it may be just like um boimler departed at the end of season two um or at season Season one one. at the end of season one and then they brought him back in season two mariner may depart at the end of season three and then they bring her back in season four right Mm -hmm. um the other thing though is there's a poster for season three and the poster is kind of modeled off of some of the search for spock posters Mm -hmm. but it has um it has a a romulan warbird and the cerritos attacking each other Mm mm-hmm just like there was a Klingon bird of prey and the Enterprise attacking each other on the Star Trek three poster. Mm-hmm. And then in the background in space, you have Rutherford's face instead of Spock's face. And then in the foreground, just like you had the other main characters besides Spock looking befuddled and dramatic, you have Tindy Mariner and Boimler looking scared and perplexed. And so this episode gives us the clues we need to unlock the season three arc it's going to this is the search for rutherford yeah we're going to learn about rutherford's forgotten memories he's going to turn out to have been involved because what he was participating in were something they called uh devon races which go through the neutral zone and are therefore illegal and so he mm-hmm. was he was involved in some kind of covert classified project on behalf of Starfleet superiors to penetrate the neutral zone. Mm. And 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 that's what led to all this. The thing blew up. They put his implant on him. They wiped his memory of the program. And so that's all going to reemerge now. In fact, when just before Jerk Rutherford fades out. We have a reenactment of the moment. They're still in the mindscape, yep. but Jerk Rutherford is laying down, being cradled by by friendly Rutherford, and Jerk Rutherford like touches his face and says, <laughs> "Remember," <laughs> and <laughs> and just like at the end of Star Trek Two, yep. and so obviously we're going to get more emergent memories by the end of the season, and yeah. we'll get an explanation of what the plan was. So we do know that the eighth episode of the season. Uh, is going to be called Crisis Point 2 Paradoxus. Uh, yeah. First season, we had Crisis Point, which was a hollow program that Mariner ran. Uh, Badgy. Yeah, right. <laughs> Badgy yeah. and other things. And so this is like sort of a revisiting that. And it might be that a hollow program brings out these some of these memories or something along those lines that's involved. But they, but the, I, I, I gather from what I've read is that this is the big, you know, reveal. S- season reveal episode. Mm-hmm. This is what's going to be the big, at least the start of a three, maybe a three episode arc or something along those lines uh, to that connected to all this big story that they're telling. So uh, that should be interesting to, to see. Uh, so I like this. Uh, we it's this is kind of a mirror mirror episode. We have the good the good guy, the good you know version of our guy and the bad version, except mm-hmm. it's not a mirror universe episode. It's literally a mirror version of him, which was kind of fun. 
Also, the title Reflections relates to, I mean, it has a metaphorical meaning of when you reflect on a subject. Mm -hmm. And there's reflection going on in that sense. But also, Friendly Rutherford is confined to being a reflection for much of the episode. And he thinks that his, um, he thinks that as I mentioned, an alien has taken over his body, but specifically he thinks it's an anaphasic alien. Hmm. And it's like, oh man, that is a callback to one of, to one of the worst or possibly the worst episode of Next Generation. Which one was um, that? It's Sub Rosa. And it's oh, the, one, oh, the yes. one where Beverly Crusher gets seduced by an anaphasic yes. alien who who is impersonating her grandmother's Scottish lover ghost uh, thing. Yeah. And it's that absolutely was... horrendously bad. I have no idea how Gates McFadden was able Poor to Gates. <laughs> do that episode. Yeah, no kidding. I always cringe for her. <laughs> well, I know, because she for the camula for the camera has to simulate intimate time with a ghost. Yeah. Yep. That Poor we don't thing. even see in that scene. Yeah. And it's like, ugh. I love how they keep they kind of call out these bad parts of track without like mm-hmm. in that love we, we tell we've talked about before in this loving way we love star trek they obviously love star trek but yeah we know we've got our you know over 50 years plus we've got our bad moments and so we'll we'll embrace them for you mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's interesting about the the this reflected rutherford the, the, is he's not reversed it's not a literal yeah. mirror image so that uh you know when you see him the 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 visor is on the opposite side from it, the the version in reality. It's as if he was duplicated and standing in front of each other or facing each other. Right. It's not a mirror, you know, so it's, yeah. it's, you know, as you be facing right left, you know, and so it, it's. Yes. So at first mirror Rutherford tries to, you know, the bad Rutherford tries to fit in badly. Uh, mm-hmm. He, he, he uh, alienates the, the, uh, the girl that uh, Rutherford had gone on four dates with. Gets Barnes. Barnes, that's right. The, the Trill girl. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Uh, and asked that question, which I don't need, doesn't bear repeating that someone once asked Dax and uh, yeah. it's oh. kind of offensive. Oh, it, well, it's the, it's the, it's do not all, that bad. Do all, do those spots go all the way down? I guess, I guess so. I mean, yeah. if they could say it on, t- on, you know, broadcast television in the nineties, it's not that bad. So, uh, but yeah. <laughs> and it, they later answered the question because we saw Esri getting out of bed and her spots went all the way down to her feet. That's right. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Um, so, uh, but he messes up, uh, if, you know, in some way. And so Shax has to hunt him down, you know, to go capture him. And just before he, you know, uh, uh, knocks him out, he says, he's says, trying just he's trying to steal the captain's yacht, which is mm-hmm. another, yeah. um, another yeah. piece of Star Trek lore. They decided for next gen that the captain has a personal shuttlecraft known as the captain's yacht, mm-hmm. which looks different than other shuttlecraft, and they never showed it on um, on screen. But they never did anything with it. Um, but Patrick Stewart decided that his yacht's name was Calypso. Mm-hmm. Right. And then if you look at the Enterprise D model, it's on the bottom of the saucer. There's an outline right. yep. of it. That's where Opposite it would attach. Opposite the bridge. Opposite the bridge. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. Voyager had one. Of course, we see in uh, which uh, was that uh, insurrection where the E, we get to see the captain's yacht. And yes. The e. Yeah, we do. Yeah. Um, and so as Shaq's knocks him out he says sorry baby bear <laughs> and and bad yep. rutherford is like baby bear oh my god like that, him. that's my nickname that's <laughs> stupid yeah, <right>. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah he's 
what we find out is that this split is that's between this memory and personality of Rutherford post the accident and the memory and personality of Rutherford from a decade ago before the accident. Um, and yeah. what's happened is they, it's like a backup has overwritten his present br- brain, as they put it. And kind of split, well, split the brain. They said partition it, where, of course, they see, show the, you know, the obligatory, you know, uh, sick bay picture where there's one brain in one side of the brain, one color on one side of the other color, and it's yeah. the different brain patterns. Right, right. He also says that, um, well, friendly Marin, friendly Rutherford asks him, well, haven't you ever tried to get out? And he says, yeah. Have you ever noticed your your thing glitching? That was me trying to take control. Right. Mm-hmm. And we've seen the glitches a lot. We've seen, you know, the, the hints uh, throughout. So they've been they've been planning this for a long time. And this might have been like the root of the character. I like that as the whole thing about pairs was because pre pre accident Rutherford loved pairs and <laughs> post accident Rutherford hates pairs. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a thing where. People even t- like today will have traumatic brain injuries, will have changes in personality like that. It, oh, yeah. Even changes of accent, uh, you know, that sort of thing. The, the famous one is this guy in the 19th century. We may talk about him on Mysterious World at some point, but he was a railroad worker and they were laying railroad and he got a railroad spike driven through his head Oof. and his personality and he lived and his personality completely changed. He had previously only his went in the other direction. He previously had been a nice, conscientious guy, and he became like angry, cantankerous, violent, criminal, and alcoholic. Oh, I remember a case of this. What was it? Like a housewife in South Florida or something like who had an injury. Who like after her injury, total change of personality. She became kind of like wild party girl with a British mm-hmm. accent and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it so foreign accent syndrome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's kind of. Interesting how personality and that sort of thing is not in, is not, you know, kind of uh, ontologically who we are. It's not from our essence, in a sense, it's malleable. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, mm. this episode, in a way, kind of demonstrates how that can happen um, in a funny way. Uh, so they they they're, they need to compete to control the body. This is a common Side switch I, trope. I, I like how Mirror Rutherford, or Mirror Rutherford, I'm using that for the one in the mirror. Yeah. Fri- right. Friendly Rutherford figures out he can punch his implant <laughs> and it will cause pain for, yep. for Jerk Rutherford. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. That's, <laughs> and that's how he kind of starts, you know, getting uh, everyone to realize what, what's going on. Um, and so, yeah, you mentioned he was an illegal drag racer who would build these. Uh, racing basically a uh, an engine with a seat on it to do these races through the neutrals the Romulan neutral zone which is you know obviously really bad and uh and so the the competition to get control of the body after they kind of fight about it for a bit they decide we're going to compete to build a racer and then race it that's the mm-hmm. competition um and jer- and I, yeah I, I like how friendly Rutherford then makes a delta flyer yes from from next from Voyager and then jerk Rutherford unveils what he's done and it's a Battlestar Galactica Viper that's <laughs> essentially yes. what it looks like yeah with Starfleet with engines missiles. on it yeah yeah yeah. 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 <laughs> with, yeah yeah and it's and it's like okay in terms of design factor Viper says this is a cool, badass vehicle more than a Delta Flyer's design does. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> In fact, even even uh, a good Rutherford, friendly Rutherford, uh, acknowledges it was pretty cool. But uh, 
But yeah, you know, although the warp fire. engines, the warp engines look stupid on it. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. do. They do. Uh, and I mean, I I kind of like it. I mean, I always of, of all the things in Voyager, the Delta Flyer was always kind of I kind of like the Delta Flyer, the idea of it, and just the a cool shuttle because you gotta have a cool mm-hmm. shuttle. Uh, well, and of course, this is a callback to the, the Voyager episode where they race the Delta Flyer and they have the uniforms on and everything. Yeah. And, uh, Paris and. and uh, uh, Was it Milana? Milana. Yeah, yeah. Paris and Milana. You know, then they've got those uniforms on. So, of course, Rutherford has to recreate the uniforms as well for his crew. Of course. He recreates also recreates his friends. Right. And that's the thing is I, I, they, they kind of make the point, you know, in a very obvious way, which is that what makes good Rutherford good in what makes good people good is the, the people it's the friends you made along the way, you might say. Yes. Uh, and so what makes him succeed is not that he's uh, you know, a badass engineer who builds you know hot rods, but that his friends are there to help him in need, even when they're mm-hmm. imaginary, you know, brain friends. Um, yeah. I so, like that. Brain friends. Brain friends. I'm going to hang out with my brain friends today. <laughs> it's kind of sad, but yeah. <laughs> brain friends. In, incidentally, note that um, on both Voyager and Battlestar Galactica, they have someone build a new ship. Mm-hmm. So even mm-hmm. though they have Vipers on Battlestar Galactica and they have shuttles on Voyager. Many of um, them. <laughs> yeah, they both have a lot of them. Um th- um, Tom Paris builds the Delta Flyer, yeah, and Kara Thrace builds the Blackbird, right? And and I hate I I don't hate to say it, but once again, Battlestar Galactica outclasses Voyager because <laughs> because Tom Paris builds the builds the Delta Flyer as a racing ship for fun, and Kara Thrace builds the Blackbird as a stealth ship to gain military advantage. Yeah. And there's a great scene where they're testing the Blackbird and Apollo is on a Viper looking for Kara and he's he's concerned. He, he's lost track of her and he's freaking out and she sneaks up behind him and she says, it's a damn stealth ship, Lee. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. I remember that. That was good. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, you know, the, the, I, I used to love just speaking about so the SQBN had that uh, podcast many years ago with uh, Jeff and Zena lists uh, called The Secrets of Battlestar mm-hmm. Galactica. Uh, you can find that in our archives on our website if you ever want to uh, get a hankering for for some classic uh, podcasting from yore about Battlestar Galactica. So uh, in the end, after uh, the, the Romulan warbird uh, destroys his his uh, hot rod um, and he's beamed aboard. You know, Bad Rutherford is beamed aboard the Delta Flyer, and we have these dying, quote unquote, uh, in in inside the uh, brain simulation. Mm-hmm. He recognizes that all of his rage is gone now. Like something in him has changed, um, and so I wonder, like, if the fact is, is good Rutherford has already won the brain. Like he's already in control. You know, the mm-hmm. it's, it's, it, right. That just by seeing the rage of this, of the other personality dissipate. So I thought that was kind of a, a somewhat subtle writing. I mean, for, for lower decks, it's subtle. Um, and then uh, he does the, the, the Spock mind meld, which I loved like the whole remember. And he kind of even like growls a little bit like Leonard Nimoy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, Yes, we have a rogue Starfleet program that went wrong. So it's interesting. I wonder, Jimmy, if because as you were describing it, it kind of came to me. I wonder if this is Section 31 trying to build a a 
stealth ship to spy on the Romulans in the midst of these races. It could be, but the Starfleet officer looked to me like he was wearing command colors. I mean, he was blurry mm-hmm. and we saw him in mostly silhouette, but it, I thought he was wearing command colors rather than That's a Section 31 uniform. Was, yeah, it was, it was like the red, the mm-hmm. red uniform. Yeah, although it's, we've seen Section 31 officer, you know, in, in you know, Mufti, in, in, you know, wearing Starfleet regular uniforms at, at times, right? You know, they, they were recruiting Bashir to be Section 31 in situ in in DS9 so mm-hmm. it's, it's possible it's, I I was I'd be curious to see section, how section 31 would work in lower decks that would be kind of fun mm-hmm. to see uh that would be a nice addition to it so I hope to see that so and that's uh that's where we bring things to an end with uh Rutherford so any other notes father Corey? there's there's a great line when uh uh Mariner was complaining about having to do the the recruitment booth about how an alternate universe where uh, Kirk and Spock have cinematic chemistry, kind of referring <laughs> yes. to, of course, the J.J. verse movies. Yeah. Right, right. That's true. Kelvin. Yeah, <laughs> that's good. That's good. Jimmy, anything? You, oh, anything left, Father Corey? Anything else? No, I said that's it. Okay, Jimmy. I like when um, when they're first talking about the recruiting booth mission. Um, you know. Mariner is having a very negative reaction and Rutherford is like, yeah, but what you going to do about it? And she's she's like, complain about it and make it a more miserable experience than it has to be. And he's like, well, that's kind of your thing. <laughs> <laughs> don't we all know someone like that? No. Yeah. And <laughs> if you don't, maybe you're it. Not you. <laughs> yeah. And then later, um, when uh, after Rutherford has been taken over by jerk Rutherford, I'm not saying evil Rutherford because he's not really evil. He's just a jerk. Yeah. yeah. Um, the uh, he comes back into the shuttle bay where Tendi and he had been working earlier and she she's got this pod plant in a glass in a, in a glass bubble and she's like hey look at this pod plant from omicron city three it sprays my alien mind control pollen and (laughs) and this is from the original series episode this side of paradise yep which was a drug analogy episode where um Mm. they go to omicron city three and they all get sprayed by these weird looking pod plants with spores um and they get really relaxed and don't want to leave the planet. And Spock gets to smile and fall in love for the first time. And um, it's a very memorable episode, but I just love them bringing that back, the pod plant. And I love how they've got it in glass. So it keeps trying to spray them. Yeah. And it's just as they're, <laughs> as they're walking around the glass and talking about it and even ignoring it, it just keeps trying to spray them. <laughs> and, it, and it can't because of the glass. Yeah, that is yeah. good. That is good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so let us uh, move on to our feedback. I promise some feedback. We have uh, an email from listener Ryan who writes, Lower Decks has become one of my favorite additions to the Trek franchise. Every episode, they find new ways to be nostalgic without ruining the canon and still continue a new storyline. I can't remember the last time I was excited to watch a new Trek show or movie without also being fearful of what Hollywood laziness I'm about to witness. The Blink and You Miss It content is great, and I really enjoy hearing you guys review each episode. Keep up the great work and live long and prosper. It, and that's an example mm-hmm. of it, Jimmy, right? The uh, the, the plant, just mm-hmm. you, they yeah. just throw that in there. It's it's a deep cut. 
Well, yeah. I mean, if you sit there and listen to Boimler's rant, you could you'd have probably about 20 episodes mentioned in that, you know, one yeah. minute rant. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I, I, I really I agree with our correspondent. I um, I really like the show. To me, this is the best of the new Star Trek shows. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I like Strange New Worlds and I like um, uh, Prodigy. Prodigy. Prodigy yeah. But this is the best. Yeah. And then yeah. Picard, I can I'm OK with Discovery. I actively loathe. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. but even even in like Strange New Worlds, I mean, we've only had one season of it, but still it was like, OK, what are we going to have this week that is, you know, mm. wokeism, um, mm. you know, thrust into the story? And we 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 have much less of that on uh, on Lower Decks and the the, yeah. the entertainment value is higher. There's a lot of laughs in Lower Decks, and that, yeah. not, that you can't oh, yeah. discount that. That's a lot of fun. Um, I'm personally, I might rank Strange New Worlds a little higher, but it's close. And mm-hmm. you know, hey, it's an it's an yeah. embarrassment of riches, frankly, at this point. Yeah, exactly. Between <laughs> the two of them, yeah. between the two of them, they're both worth watching. Definitely. You know, so yeah, it's a good thing. Well, thank you, Ryan. I appreciate you uh, sending that in, and uh, for, and for your appreciation for the show. So we'd like to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of Star Trek, including Roseanne M, Kevin C, Meg P, Matt and Erica Z, and Slow. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of Star Trek and all the shows at StarQuest, and you can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. So that's it from us. We'd love to hear what you thought of this Lower Decks episode called Reflections. You can let us know by commenting on the show at sqpn.com slash trek, our Facebook page at facebook.com slash starquestmedia. You can send an email to trek at sqpn.com or visit our Discord community at sqpn.com slash discord. We'll be back next week when we'll be discussing the next new episode of Lower Decks. Until then, Father Cory Stika, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of Star Trek. Thank you, Dom. Jimmy Aiken, thank you as well. Thanks, Dom, and live long and prosper. And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to the secrets of Star Trek on StarQuest. And remember, the Doctor didn't spend seven years in the Delta Quadrant for you to question his agency. He's got rights. Mm-hmm.